Father. Health, Father. Everything that we take it for granted, Father. It's a gift, Lord. We just want to thank you. We just want to thank you, Lord. We just want to thank you. Once again, we come to you, our hearts, our minds, to be focused on you, Lord. Even this morning, Sunday night, on one side of the globe, Monday, for us, but you speak, Lord. You're the same God of yesterday and today. Same God. You never change. Speak to us, O Lord. Continue to strengthen us. We commit ourselves and all those who are listening and will be listening into thy hands. The anointing rest upon the words, O Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we'll get have to get back to faith. Because we do not realize we spend through our noses, put our children through 15, 18, 20, 25 years of education to live by sight. Honestly, that's what we do. And this, I mean, we are not per se saying sight is bad, but the better educated you are in sight, the better opportunities and chances you have in the world. But all the investment is actually put to how to live a prosperous and successful life in sight. God comes around and says, meditate upon my word day and night. Do not let it depart from your mouth. Be careful to do what and you shall be prosperous and successful forever. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Okay. So as long as we look at faith as a concept, we are going to miss it. The whole thing is to see faith as life. The only life God will accept. He does not accept any other life he accepts only the life of faith simply because it's his life. It's his life. So in the beginning, God. And the Bible says in the beginning was the word. And for us, unlike God, God is a God of faith. But for us, that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. That's how it is. So when we are saying faith comes from hearing the word of God, what we get from hearing the word of God is the faith of God. That's why when it comes to that uh, translation, KJV is the best because people try to make it faith in, which is there. We begin with faith in Christ. But over a period of time, it has to become the faith of Christ. Okay, I mean, we have to look at uh, life like a map your soul like a map and see like you see the map today also there's this map about the status of the battle in between Russia and Ukraine you know this thing so you will see okay where the battle is going on and it is at a standstill kind of a standstill so it's basically like that we will see how far has the battle progressed in our soul and after some time it comes to a standstill we are not the resistance is intense or we get we get distracted. But this is a battle. That's what the Bible talks about. Paul, he never stopped that battle. And he held on. Like we said at the end of the message yesterday. If he delays to come, then we have to occupy till he comes. So we will see only uh, two generations actually. Or three generations. First is a generation of Joshua. Second is a generation of David. And third is the generation of Solomon. 
So in Israel's entire history, only three generations actually won all their battles. Others did not. If you read history carefully, others did not win all their battles. Okay, it was even Josiah unnecessarily went and killed himself. <laughs> okay, so you will see. Uh, you know, because later by that time come, the land itself is split into two kingdoms and also you will see these patterns over there. It is a fight. It's a fight. And God calls us to, so if you go turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. There are two things about there. One is about us, the other is about God. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Okay, so if we want to please God, there is only one way we can please Him. It is by faith. For he who comes, okay, that's where the hearing of the word comes. Faith cometh. Faith cometh by hearing. Okay. So if you cannot hear, if you haven't heard, faith cannot come. But once you have heard, it demands a response. Like the woman with the issue of blood, she heard. She heard. So what did she do? She said, I will go, I will touch the hem. So she heard and there is a response. He who cometh must believe that he is. And she believed that even if I touch the hem of his robe. Okay. Bartimaeus asked what this is commotion and they said it is Jesus and he started shouting. He heard and there was a response. These four men heard about Jesus. They brought there and they broke. So he who comes, but everyone who comes must. But you will see in all these places, whether it is Bartimaeus or whether it is a woman with the issue of blood or the four men who brought their friend, there was lots of people. They were not the only people. There were lots of people. So they all came. But all did not come believing. Okay, like a lot of people come to church. Yesterday also it was there full. People come to church. But the question is, how do you come to church? Okay, this is the fundamental thing. He who comes to God must believe that he is. Okay, that's the thing he is. That is the same God. What you read in Genesis 1-1 and what you read in Revelation 22, he's the same God. He has never, he cannot change. He cannot change and he never changes. So anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. Okay? And if he hasn't changed and you come with that kind of faith, okay, that believing that he is, then he's a rewarder of those who seek Okay, so you will see that when Jesus is walking on, that, that's why the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years, her miracle is spectacular, unlike any other miracle, because in every other miracle, these people, and there's an encounter between Jesus and them. But with this lady, it is not. She doesn't even know what's happening. Okay, not even happening. It's only when she touched him and the virtue left, he's, look, he still doesn't know who touched him. Still doesn't know who touched him. But God knew. His father knew, the spirit of God knew. Okay, so, and he says, your faith has healed you. Okay, meaning when this woman cutting through everything, she's basically cutting through the law. And this is the fundamental, when Jesus made a fundamental principle about Sabbath, he said, Sabbath was made for man. Man was not made for Sabbath. The law was made for man. The man of faith, the law is not made for him. You have the fundamental principle of the law of faith. The minute you start walking by faith, the law ceases. The law is not made for that man. 
Okay, the law is not made for that man. Law, man was not made for the law. Law was made for the fallen man. But when you step out into faith, the law ceases. The law ceases. The law is not. Okay, so she had this loss going against her. Loss. But when she stepped out by faith, all those laws ceased. Ceased for her. It ceased for her. Because only thing that's working is faith works. So there is. It's like the, the law of aerodynamics, right? There is gravity, but there is another law that can supersede gravity and take you off. So the simple question is, there are, there is the law of God, the laws which God has instituted for the fallen man. What can cause you and me to supersede that law is the law of faith. Is the law of faith. So in simple things like a woman, so it, it is irrelevant who the person is. God does not know. That's what the Bible says. When it comes to the law of faith, you know what happened? It's like the other law of gravity. It's irrelevant who you are. You could be a king, you could be a beggar, both of you can fall and break your leg. See, the law does not discriminate. The law of gravity does not discriminate at all. In the same way, the law of faith does not discriminate. You could be Nicodemus and go back with receiving nothing because you did not believe in that law. And you could be a poor woman with an issue of blood or a blind martyr sitting over there and you can work under that law and you can receive what God has for you. That's how it works. So the whole idea is to bring people ultimately to trust God. Trust God. Okay. So if you turn with me to Joshua and uh, chapter 5 and verse 5 if I'm right. Oh no, four, five, four, five, four, five, not five, five, four, five. Is it four, five? Neither, neither four, five, nor four, five. Let me give it to you. It's the sixth book in the Bible, easy to remember, right? Three, five. See, it's neither four nor five, it was three, five. And Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourself for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. Okay. Now, one of the fundamental things you need to realize is the, the, the word sanctify means to set yourself apart. And we always, though it has an application under the law, but we always apply it only that way. Sanctify means make yourself holy. But ultimately, and usually in life with all these people, how they sanctified themselves, what they sanctified themselves of doubt and unbelief. Because the greatest sin is the sin of unbelief. Why are people, why are people going to hell? Because of their sins? No, because of their unbelief. People are not going to hell because of their sin. They are forgiven. But because of their unbelief, they refuse to receive the forgiveness of God through Christ Jesus. They refuse. Okay. So the greatest sin today is unbelief. So sanctifying yourself, that when the Bible says the word of God sanctifies you, how does it sanctify you primarily? It has to sanctify you from unbelief. That God is he, he is he, who he says he is. Unbelief, belief. Okay. Sanctifies you. So he's basically tells you, don't literally take it in the old covenant law terms alone. Look into, in the, like I said, if faith is an, like, that is why we send our kids to school. Why? What are you going to acquire there? Knowledge. So acquiring knowledge, what does it do? It dispels ignorance. Right? 
Get rid of your ignorance and receive knowledge. So how do you sanctify yourself? Is getting rid of doubt and unbelief. See, meditating upon the word day and night, meditating and focusing on the word of God, it does not bring in faith, an increasing measure of faith in God. It's still not working. If you're only understanding the principles of the law, you're still stuck under the law. It is to produce faith. So he says, sanctify, separate yourself, basically separating themselves from the doubt and the unbelief. Basically, they, if this generation especially, if you need to look at it, this generation especially have walked 40 years under the cloud of unbelief of their forefathers. Because of their unbelief, they shorten God's arm in spite of everything. So they have to look. You know what? It is dying in our life. It's no look turning back. Already there is a tribe who already said, we don't want to cross over. One and a half tribes. You want to stay on this side of it. So they have to deal with these things. And this is where we begin. We begin our day by dealing with unbelief and doubt. And God says, you know what? If you do that, God will from tomorrow, he will start or tomorrow, he will start doing great wonders in your life. Okay. So this is where we need to realize. Our God is a God of wonders. Our God is a God of science and miracles. Our God is a God of power. But if I have to receive that power of God in my life, in any area, what I need is faith. And what stands and blocks the faith is doubt and unbelief. Sanctify them, Lord, by your truth. Your word is truth. Okay, so you have to be, have to constantly sign in any situation. That is why the Bible says the gospel is preached to the poor. When the gospel is preached to the poor, the thing is that, you know, why is the gospel preached to the poor? Not that it is not preached to the others, it's preached to everybody. But when it says the gospel is preached to the poor and they receive it very easily is because poor, whatever it is, poverty in any area has brought you to the end of your resources. If you look at every person who came to Christ Jesus... They had come to an end of themselves in that particular area. So they are poor. Now they have no option, only God. So when you have come to that, as long as you have an ability, you will still rely on that arm of flesh. And God says, if it works, it works for you, good for you. But if it doesn't, leave it off. But when they come, when they come, because about that woman, you have in the three gospels about the woman with an issue of blood, it's given, details are given, right? She went to all the physicians, she finished all her money, her situation did not improve, her situation became worse, and she's already given up hope in the natural, and is, de- is destined or reconciled herself to a life of this and death. Then she hears about Jesus. Then she hears about Jesus. And that is where the story turns. The story turns. And probably it's not that she heard once about Jesus. And she hears another story, another story, another story. Now doubt and unbelief is being taken out. Okay, It's being replaced with. Then she's thinking about all the blocks. Now, not in Jesus, but in herself. What does the law say? The law say. 
and you are living under the law, the law says you are unclean, you shouldn't touch anybody. So many things are there, but you know, ultimately faith cuts through it all. And the law stops. So that's how it works. So God is trying to tell here, you know what? Our God is a God of power. It's a God of signs. It's a God of miracles and a God of wonders. That's where he manifests his power. Okay, And most people who come to Christ, come to Christ because they hear about his power. Hear about his power. He's not upset with people who come to him because of him. He's upset when they only stop there and after that they don't believe anymore. Okay, he has no, he, we are supposed to go to him because he has power. Like you can't go borrow from a poor man. Alright? You can only go borrow from a rich man. Alright? And God is a powerful person. So it is to whom, him who we go. You go. And that's what God is talking about. So, whether it is sickness, whether it is lack, you'll see these situations where people go. It could be a rich man. Jairus is a rich man. But his daughter is dying. Almost dead. So he's come to the end of his strength. So he goes. Okay. The Roman centurion has power, but his servant is dying. So he goes to Jesus. He hears about Jesus. Okay. So everybody has to come in some area to their end of themselves. Then the gospel is good news. The gospel becomes the gospel. It is good news because in the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And salvation includes the complete life of a person. And like I said, because we are so body conscious, because that's our physical material reality, usually the first thing that touches us is either sickness or hunger. These two things. So you remember, it is when they when he fed 5,000 people in the wilderness with five loaves of bread and two fish, they wanted to make him king. They were hungry. I think they were with him for almost three days. They were hungry. And he supernaturally met their need, showed the power of God, and immediately they wanted to make him king by force. And then you have this whole thing, okay? Your hunger, then you have your sickness, and then you have uh, demonic oppression. So you will see the areas in which God is handling. Because demonic oppression comes and realize that you have no help for it. Today also there is no help for it. All they, they said it to you. They said it to you. Meaning when they said it to you, is you are not troubled to yourself, you are not troubled to anybody, but nobody is going to deliver you. That is what sedation means. Because Christ doesn't sedate you. He delivers you. Okay, so this is how you need to realize. This is the gospel of of power. The kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, it's a matter of power. So when you turn to Exodus chapter 3 and verses 3 and 4. Okay. Exodus 3 and verses 3 and 4. What happened was, it was a usual day, it was a normal day. But suddenly something happened out of the ordinary. There was a bush that was on fire. That was not the whole thing. Bushes catch its fire in in even now you see videos in summertime from Saudi and all everything catching fire and all because temperature goes like crazy. So it's it's not a common it's a common sight. But what was happening was the bush was not being consumed. That was an uncommon sight. Bush was not being consumed. And the Bible says, I will now turn aside and see this great sight. Why the bush does not burn? So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called him. So you need to realize, God actually used a sign to draw the attention of his man. God is a God of signs and wonders. The entire redemption of Israel begins with a sign. 
for one man to draw his attention. It begins with a sign. Okay, he used a sign in the natural, but the sign was supernatural. It is in the natural, but the sign is supernatural. If it was natural, okay, fire. Five minutes ago it was burning. Ten minutes ago it's still burning. The bush is there. What is this? I've never seen a fire like this before. Okay. So he turned his head and then God spoke. God spoke. Okay. And when God speaks, he gives him the whole plan God has for him. If you go to chapter 3 and again verse 19 and 20. I am sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. Not even by a mighty hand. He says, you know what? I know that man. I'm not telling you this task is very easy. You just can save people and all. He says, no. The fellow who controls them won't let them alone easily. He won't deliver them easily. King of Egypt will not get rid of these people. But what I will do is that I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all my wonders which I will do in its midst. And after that he will let you go. So God is saying the redemption of God's people from Egypt will be only be possible by accompaniment of supernatural signs. Okay? Otherwise it will not happen. It has to be. The power of God has to be. It's a power struggle. Because on the other side there is power. On this side is also power. It is going to be a power struggle. And they have to see it and then he will let go. Moses still is very reluctant. Very reluctant. Forty years in the wilderness, under his father-in-law has made him a wuss. Literally has made him a wuss. No, that's why we always recommend, go stay with your father, don't stay with your father-in-law. Because it's a very humiliating thing. You will lose your self-confidence. <clears throat> if you want to go somewhere, go stay with your father. Don't stay with your father-in-law because you'll lose your confidence. Okay, you lose your self-confidence. Because that's not a place where God wants you. But God can use it to bring you to the end of yourself. So Jacob had to come to the end of Laban's house. And Moses at the end of Jethro's house. And then finally God is able to bring. But we don't have to go that route, okay? Don't, okay, I will go the path of Moses. No, you don't have to go. You don't have to learn from negative examples. Take the positive. Okay. Isaac stayed in his father's house and had no trouble at all. His father, okay, he never had to fear. He never had to worry about his marriage. He didn't have to worry about anything. Everything was under. Okay? He had a very godly father. And if you have a godly father-in-law, that's a different story. But still, psychologically, and God knows how our mind works, it's not a good place to be in. So, he's very reluctant. Reluctant. So, to give him confidence, if you go to chapter 4 and verse 1 onwards, to give him confidence. He says, okay, uh, what, suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. The Lord said, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. He said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground and it became a serpent and Moses fled from it. The Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand, take it by the tail. He reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand. Okay, it's a spiritual meaning. But at the simplest, it was a miracle. It was a sign. Okay. Now the first sign gave him confidence. Wow. Okay. Wow. These things. You see, this guy has seen much witchcraft in Egypt. He was in the Pharaoh's palace. 
full of wizards and sorcerers. He has seen manifestations of power. So here he's saying, okay, I will go. I know what Egypt is. I know what the Pharaoh is. I've been there. I know how we did. I know how we won all the battles. We had sorcerers and witchcraft and all these things. And you're sending me and say, go fight them. God says, I'll show you a manifestation of power. Okay. That they may believe the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said, Have not put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom. When he took it out, behold, his hand was a leprous like snow. Then he said, Put your hand in your bosom again. He put his hand in his bosom again and drew it out of his bosom. It was restored like his other flesh. So he gave him two signs. And you need to realize it is these two signs that gave him the confidence. He's still hesitant. And he starts making final excuse, I cannot speak. So God says, okay, you don't speak, your brother will speak. You stammer to him, he will speak eloquently. <laughs> but you can't lie to God. So he's stammering. So this, this, is, this are fundamental things which you're talking about because that was not a man at 40, he was mighty in words. So between 40 to 80, he loses all his confidence because of the situation he's living in. And he actually starts struggling for words. He loses. loses. He's not even able to. He loses his eloquence. Everything. Everything. Okay. But God uses these things to prepare him, prepare a man. Okay. So that's where it happens. So, so finally he goes. Okay, finally he goes. He goes into battle. So we have to understand this fundamental concept about what does faith actually do? Faith partakes of the power of the kingdom, of the king. Or if you are a minister of God, like Moses is, you manifest the power of the kingdom. Because it has always has to be a power encounter because we are fighting principalities and powers of darkness. Turn to Matthew chapter 12 and verse 29. How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then he will plunder his house. So he comes. So this is going back to our original status. We will see in many cases where Jesus cast out demons. The demons talk about that person as the host. We call them as the host, as their house. As their house. That was our house. So there was a house, which is the human. And they live over there. And then there is a strong man who controls the house. And God says, until you are delivered of that strong man, who controls basically your thinking and your body, whatever it is, illness, whatever it is, you cannot use that person. He's a slave. He's a slave. Then coming to Matthew 16 and verse 19. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He gives the principle over there. He says you are living on earth. But there are powers that are controlling affairs here. Now he's not talking about binding things and binding it in God's heaven. No. He's talking about binding it in the second heaven where the demonic rules and loosening there from here. So he says, I am going to give you power over that realm. 
He's not talking about power over people. See, unrighteousness and wickedness and violence happens through wicked people too. Wicked dispensation. But that in most nations are still regulated by law. Even a prime minister or a president cannot recently do anything. It's regulated by law. So the laws are there governing the material nations. The laws are there. So there are various avenues by which if there is injustice, you can appeal. And even when they come, they will go, try their best to go by the law book so that they are not caught in the prison. So it's not talking about fighting flesh and blood. Flesh and blood. Like the law, like I say, even within the four walls of a home, there are laws that govern domestic violence. Records, okay, a husband breaks a law, okay, and then the wife has recourse to the law to protect her. Okay, the weaker always has recourse to the law. So that's how it works. So we are not talking about the human. We are not fighting. That's why the Bible is very clear. You're not fighting flesh and blood. You want to fight in flesh and blood? There is an avenue for her. As far as possible, uh, if it is within the body of Christ, ignore it. If it is outside the Bible, that's the Bible says, don't go to the Gentiles with it. Don't do that. He says it brings a bad reputation and a name to the kingdom of God. Handle it within the body of Christ. But if it is something else, then go to the realm, like Paul appeals to Caesar. But when he was with the Jews, he never appealed to Caesar. Never appealed to Caesar. It was when it was a conflict between the Gentiles who were ruling over, he appealed to Caesar. So that's a recourse. Okay. But God is not talking about that. That has its own way of doing it. We are not talking about that. We are talking about the powers of darkness. So this is where the battle lies. So when we looked at First Timothy and 6.12 yesterday, right? Fight the good fight of faith. Okay. Meaning, there is this life of God, which God has come to begin, and salvation is the beginning of it, saved from the penalty of sins and being born again. It's just the beginning of it. It begins by faith. By grace, you have been saved through faith. That is the beginning of that. Okay, But you have to take hold of eternal life. So there are so many obstacles to the life of God in our life, and it is primarily demonic. It's demonic. God says, you have to fight it. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, to destroy. Steal what? Kill what? Destroy what? What God is here to give? What is he trying to give? Eternal life. So how does he steal? He steals it with doubt and unbelief and temptation. All kinds of things are there. Deception. All these things are there. Right? God has given Adam and Eve life. It is his life. They had what you would say they have they have actually provisional immortality if they don't sin. They have provisional immortality. They would not have died if they had not sinned. Okay. So how does he come there? He causes, causes doubt and unbelief. That's what he causes. He causes doubt. That's how he steals. How he steals. So there are two things which you can do. Either you can steal or you can invest. Okay. The devil steals through doubt and unbelief. And God says, instead, you can partake of my life through faith. 
So the preaching of the word of God will do two things. One, it will show you the tactics of the enemy. This is how he steals, kills and destroys. And this is how you fight him. Fight unbelief and doubt. But don't stop with that. Partake of the life of God more and more. More and more. So in this battle, if you go to, we saw that yesterday, Proverbs 21, 31. The horse is prepared for the day of battle. In the old days, the horse was the animal of warfare. It gave you speed and mobility and all that. It gave you an added advantage. The cavalry gave you the added advantage. And it's not ordinary horses. The war horses were trained horses. They were trained, trained to obey the, 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 the slightest nudge of the rider. It was well-trained horses. And the horse is prepared for the day of battle. But remember, deliverance is of the Lord. This is something which we have to prove. Because why it's so important is that in the kingdom of this world, how we have been trained is deliverance is of myself. You need the training. The better trained you are, better you can do. Better trained, better you can do. It's all based on self, 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 self. The problem is there's a law of faith and there are principles of faith, but you can go with the same attitude. I need to know these, these, and I can win. And God says you will not. Remember this. Deliverance is of the Lord. You may know every rule of the law of faith and still lose. Still lose. That's why I said yesterday, I don't know whether you remember, if you believe in your heart, so faith is a relationship. If you don't focus on faith as a relationship, like I said, faith as a life of God, as a relationship with God, you may succeed using faith, 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 and ultimately be a loser. Ultimately lose. Like many people in the old covenant. Ultimately look at their end, they were losers. Because they did not understand deliverance, that deliverance that comes through faith is the power of a person. They only factor the power. They forgot the person. Mm. There is a person. And this person is important. You see, this is one of the fundamental errors of sometimes in faith's teaching is that the power is, they make it like electricity. The Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit comes, you shall receive power. But when who comes? Person comes. It's a person. Oh, the person gives power. Okay, person gives power. But it is a person who Gives power. So, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who comes to Him must believe that He is. So, there is a person over here. That's where you have to be very, very careful. So, before even you start getting ready for the battle, this is what Paul says in Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his mind. Be strong. He doesn't bring power first. He doesn't bring power first. He brings the Lord first. Be strong in the Lord. He says, be very confident in your relationship with God. Because Phineas and Hopney factored in the power of his might 
and they were very weak in the Lord. They said, bring the ark. Bring the ark. Did they have faith in the power of God? Yes. That's why they are called for the ark. But were they strong in the Lord? No. No. Why is this important? Is because where did this, where did this faith in the ark come from? It comes from the book of Joshua. Because the book of Joshua, even from the first step of crossing over Jordan to the falling down of the walls of Jericho, the centerpiece of it is the ark. It is the ark. It is the ark, the priest carrying the ark that goes before them and steps into the flooded waters and the waters. It is the ark that is going around and the people are all just following. But it is the ark and the priest, the six priests, the seven priests with the chauffeurs blowing. But it, the, the whole thing is over the ark. So the ark represented the power of his might. But they forgot the ark represented also the person of God. So be strong in the Lord. The person. And in the power of his might. Both. So you can believe God so strong in the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, and forget the power of God completely. Okay. This is true. God is righteous. God is holy. But it also is humiliating to him that God is just righteous and holy and not powerful. Okay. See, you believe in that and you don't factor in this, still nothing is going to happen in your life. You are just a good man. But there is nothing happening in your life or nor anything happening through you in the lives of others because you haven't brought faith in the power of God. Okay. Then you can have another man who is not very holy or very righteous, but he believes in the power of God. And God can do much through him and ultimately he goes down the lane like Samson does. Samson doesn't believe much in the righteousness or holiness of God, but he believes in the power of God. And every time he cries, he receives power. See, when God says God is pleased, even if you are only putting your trust in the power of God, God is pleased. He's pleased. Because many of the people who came to him or most of the people who came to him were not kosher believers. Some of them like the Canaanite owners outside the commonwealth of Israel. But God was pleased. Why? Because they believe in my power. They believe in my power. They believe in my ability. So it is good to have both. Good to have both. You need to have belief in the holiness and the righteousness of God and also as much in the power of God because the kingdom of God is a matter of power and it is not a matter of just talk. We have to believe because you know what? Because that is the battle. This is the battle of faith. This is the battle of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. So when faith comes in, usually when faith comes in, what God will do is that because faith appropriates the the power of God, usually he will strip everything else off so that the power of God alone is visible. Okay? So if you go to Exodus chapter 4 and verse 17. You shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. You see that? So Moses is being sent to the greatest empire in the world with just a stick. 
so that nobody will doubt. This is of God and God alone. Just two old men, 183, 180, stand before the greatest power on earth with a stick in your hand and through that stick deliverance will come. And Joshua is being sent. He doesn't even have the luxury of a stick. Not even a stick. He said, there are seven nations greater than you, but I will do it. I'm not giving you even a stick for the people to look because now it's a new generation. I want their eyes on the ark and not on you. I want each one of them to personally have a life of faith. That is a new covenant principle. Not dependent upon a man, but each one connected personally to God. So keep a distance and keep your eye on the ark. The ark will define you. Ark will define you. See, it is easy to walk under Moses. If you succeed, it is Moses. Failure, it is Moses. You have no part to play. But when you become responsible for your victory and your defeat, it demands responsibility. Okay, so the new covenant is personal responsibility. Okay, personal. You have to take personal responsibility for this life of faith. The others, the Joshua's are dependent on teaching. This is what you have to do. This is what you have to do. That is. Okay. So in Matthew 9 and verse 35. Jesus went about all the cities and villages teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Okay. So he's going preaching. It's the, it's the gospel of the kingdom. And what is flowing is the power. And the power is touching the people in their point of need. If you go to Acts chapter 10 and verse 38. Yeah, 10.38. Yeah. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So there is an enemy is identified. There's an enemy. People are oppressed by powers of darkness. And Jesus went about healing and delivering everyone. If you go to Mark chapter 16 and 19 and 20 after Jesus' ascension. Right? So after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. So Jesus did not die, but he was resurrected and taken. But the work continued. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Who is that Lord? It's the Spirit of God. And confirming the word through accompanying signs. Accompanying signs. The work continued. Okay, work continued. So, we have to factor that always in Matthew chapter 16, verses 1 to 4. What is the issue here is this. Then the Pharisees and Sadducees came and testing him. They were not believing him. They were testing him. Asking that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said to them, When it is evening, you say it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. 
In the morning it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. He left them and departed. There is a purpose behind the sign. The purpose in the sign is that not a sign should cease, that it brings more and more and more faith in the signifier. If that does not happen, God says, you know what, you are just like your fathers who came out of Egypt. They were a wicked generation. It didn't matter how many signs, you know what, you continued in your unbelief. The purpose of signs is not that we continue in unbelief. It is so that we increase in belief. And that does not mean signs stop. Does not mean signs stop. If you go to Mark, again, Mark 16 and verse 15 to 18. The gospel, 16 and verses 15 to 18. So he said, come, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What is this gospel? It's the gospel of the kingdom. When they hear, faith comes from hearing. When they hear, he who believes, they believe and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe will be condemned. So that's a preaching of the gospel. At the gospel, there is a division. Those who believe and those who don't believe. Those who believe will be saved, believe and baptized will be saved. Those who don't believe will be condemned. But then there is something mentioned after that for those who believe. And these signs will follow those who believe. Those who believe. The first thing he says is that you never take out the power factor of the kingdom. If you believe, these signs should follow you. You don't have to follow them. You experience and manifest this power in your own life every day. You cast out demons. I give you power over the power that actually causes all the conflicts in your life, all the oppression in your life. I give you power over them. This is the fight of fate. This is the fight of fate. There are enemies that block there are spiritual forces that block. And he says, this is a, the more you progress, the opposition becomes intense. Right? First only Jericho is, after that five kings get together. See, nobody is, only Gibeonites also, it is deception. Nobody is surrendering. Nobody. So you would need to understand in the kingdom of darkness, there is no surrender. There is always resistance. You cast out one devil, that fellow will come back with seven others. Come back with seven others. So this is a constant battle that you are going. You may win in one other area, that fellow will go and says, okay, he say, then he will come back in another area. It's a constant battle that is going on, but it is called a good fight. It's not a bad fight. It's a constant fight. Right? And that's what the Bible is talking about. So the whole thing is that God is saying is that this is a battle of faith. To Joshua he says, like if you go to Joshua chapter 6, you know, once they cross the river Jordan, crossing of, see there are two different kinds of fights we will have to uh Battle by faith. One of the battles of faith, you have to realize it's all the, all the battles are not the same. 
there are certain battles of faith where we will have to battle natural elements. There are other battles of faith where we will have to battle spiritual elements. The crossing of Jordan is a natural element. It's a natural element. Okay, it's a natural element. Jordan is flooded. You have to cross it. It's not a demonic element. It's a natural element. But there are laws when God tells you which you can, you can bypass that too. You see, God made the laws. The laws were not made for God. Any law. I still cannot figure how Jesus walked on water. Whatever that law, he superseded it. Because you cannot walk on water, especially in a stormy sea. You cannot walk on water. It's a set law. But he walked. What did he do? He just suspended the law. Because the law was not made for him. He made the law. He made the law. And you will see Elijah doing it. You see, right, Elijah, he took this, and then you see Elisha doing it. So there are natural things which are there, which can be suspended. Okay, so you, we need to understand, we have to understand, otherwise how does healing take place? You have to read about, you know, um, resurrections taking place. Healings where people are born without organs and God created. The man was born blind, he gave him new eyes. So he's reversing laws. He's reversing laws and creating things new. So there are natural things which you overcome by faith and there are spiritual entities which you overcome by faith. With Jericho, it is more of a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual thing. So, see, the issue is that don't become like the, how do I want to use that term as a derogatory term, but the mainline Christian, this thing where it become another religion. You take that power, the miraculous part of God completely out, you know. The fizz. I mean, who would like to drink soda without the fizz? The reason you drink soda is because of the fizz. Right? Just think about it. Jesus went about preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and full stop. And there is no healing of sick, no deliverance of the oppressed. I mean, why would the crowds come? No feeding of the hungry. Nothing is happening. They wouldn't have come. They said, we have enough Pharisees preaching like that. Why would they, why would they come? Okay. Why would they come? Okay. So you need to understand in the same way. You received salvation for the penalty of sins. And after that, the power of God has stopped working. What kind of a life is that? What kind of a life is that? It's a life through doubt and unbelief has negated the power of God beyond the forgiveness of sins. That's all God can do. You know what God can do in my life? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the cross, Lord. What do you do? Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. After that, the law of faith stopped and back to sight again. God says, that's not my, that's not my life. That is not my life. So it is a battle. So if you go over there in verse one says, Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand and its king and its mighty men of valor. He says, I have given it to you. But they are still there. Nothing has changed. But he says, I have given it to you. Like I said, when God speaks, okay, 
He speaks according to his desire. And his words are words of faith. When God, unlike I mean, when God says, I have given, it is given. Then one part you don't have to doubt is whether it is given or not. Now, the only question you have to ask, if it is given, how should it be taken? You never question the part, is it given? Is it given? That was the problem with the children of Israel in the desert. Will he, can he, will he, can he, will he, can he? And God says, you know, it is given. It is given. So you never have to question whether something is given. Once God says it is given. What we need to ask is, okay, how can it be taken? How can it be taken? So the Bible says, okay, he, he says, I have given it to you. Ephesians 1.3 says, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. In So I have been blessed. So the question is that, how is it received? Am I? No, that's never a question. The question is, how do I take it? How do I bring it from there? Because in between this is in demonic resistance. How do I bring it from there to here is a simple question. How do I bring it here? So it's never a question, am I blessed? I am blessed. If you're going to question, am I blessed? Then there is no faith in what God has already spoken. Okay. Or 1 Peter 2.24 By his stripes we were healed. So the question is not whether you are healed or not, is how you will take your healing. How will you take your healing? Because God does not speak in the future or the present. He always speaks in most things. Case you will say, he always speaks in the past. Because for him, the end and the beginning are the same. He's the author. He's not just the author of my faith. He's the finisher of my faith. So this is where our struggle comes. If you keep doubting, see, you have an issue and you, by faith, try to appropriate the healing or the deliverance and it doesn't take place. You don't have to go back and question healing. You only ask, have to ask the question, why am I not getting healed? What is the block? And God tells Paul, there is no block. I'm not going to heal you because of something bigger. You don't worry about this. The problem is, because you have been given so much knowledge so early in your ministry, I know human soul. It will get into your head. It will get into your head. And he says, look back in the history of your people. From Solomon to Uzziah, all were good people. But when this got into their head, they all fell. I'm trying to protect you. You know when you came, and you came in young, you look at all the ones who are apostles who walked with me before you. You are far ahead of them. So I'm trying to protect you. It is not that deliverance is not my will for you. But in this case, I'm saying, no, I will teach you to live by faith every day. My grace is sufficient for you. But even for that grace, what you require is faith. You can have faith for deliverance, or you can have faith for strength each day. If God hasn't spoken to you personally, don't cancel off. You have to keep fighting for what is given. What is given? Healing is given. It's a will of, it's, you don't have to ask the question. Is it the will of God? So don't ever, ever accept the status quo. Because you need to realize the old man's default setting is to live that way. His, his status, he goes into that system, okay, this is okay. So early in the morning onwards, he's already figured out, before you go to sleep in the night, you have kept tomorrow's medicines out. 
I am not saying you shouldn't take your medicines. But even as you take your medicines, you are still believing and confessing your healing. One day, I will not need to take it. I will not. You are still, okay, you have to because you know what? Because there are risks involved in it. That is also a fact. So you take, I am not saying you don't take medication. Don't get me wrong, okay? If you are high BP or you have cholesterol or whatever you need to take, take it. But that is not the point. Even when you take it, you will never negate the fact that it is a life of faith. And there is that which God can give. So it is given. So you never question whether it is given. Because what happens is, in the next chapter, he will question, why did you breathe? Wasn't it better to die there? He questioned the given. So God said, it is still given. It is still given. That has never been taken away. Okay, the gifts and the calling are, the gift is not working. You need to ask yourself, why is it not working? The gift is there. It's not working. Why is it not working? Right? The tap is there. Your washer is fine. You open it, no water is coming. So what's the problem? The problem is not the tap. Go up and see in the tank whether it's a block. There is water in the tank. The tap is also working. Then check the pipeline. Is there a block? When God says the gifts and the calling are irrevocable, meaning the calling is not working, the gift is not working, then check. It is given. It's not going to be taken back. Then the simple question to ask is, what do I need to do? Go back strictly and look through the laws of faith. Laws of faith. So, God says in verse 3, what does he say? First thing he says, okay, now this is where faith comes. Now remember, faith is usually does not in, usually in no ways will it agree with sight. That is our issue. That's why God says those who are poor, he has made them rich. In. Does not mean because you are poor, you are rich in faith. No. It is easier for the poor. Meaning, poor meaning, one in finances, because they have come to the end of their road. Second, in knowledge. The wisdom of this world. It's very easy for them to believe, because there is no conflicting ideas fighting it. Fighting it. So here, see, you shall march around the city, all your men of war, you shall all go around the city once. You have to read it very carefully. Not in this case, but when God speaks, you have to carefully once. So Joshua is writing, okay, once. Not twice a day, once a day. Not three times a day. Not half and then come back because some people are tired. No, once all around for six days. Once for six days. Second, the seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. So the ark will go. The ark will go. And in front of the ark will be seven priests bearing seven trumpets. That's a chauffeur. Something God is giving a pattern. See, a lot of people try to use old patterns. It does not work because a pattern may be given for a particular battle and not for a present battle. Okay, they went around Jericho seven days, the walls of Jericho. So people have prayer walks and all kinds of things and do. It will not have power unless God has spoken to you to do that. On the other hand, if God has not spoken to you and you do that, what you do is you provoke the enemy. And you get into battles which God did not call you for. 
because one of our pastors called me and said, uh, we are planning this. I said, did God tell you? Don't, I said, don't do it. Don't imitate patterns in the Bible unless God has told you because that was a pattern for one time and a one battle. God did not ask them to march around I. He did not ask them to march around all the others. Nowhere else is this pattern repeated in the entire battle. It does not mean you cannot go. But what happens is God has not spoken to you. You imitate a pattern. What happens is the spirits of Jericho gets provoked and they come after you. It's like children going to the zoo and putting sticks and poking the leopard and the lion. The fellow was simply like sleeping after a good dinner and you went and provoked him and then he jumps on you, he scratches and you go cry. Who asked you to provoke him? As such, he's a dangerous animal. So we have to be very, very careful. We just don't blindly imitate. There is power in the word of God. The power is not in the pattern. It is in the pattern God gives. Okay, and the wise man in the battles was always David. If you have noticed, he, even if the enemy is the same, he doesn't duplicate patterns. Every time he goes back to God and God says, do a different way. Different way. Because what happens is then, we put our faith in a pattern and not in the God of the pattern. God of the pattern. This is the thing, you know the old story about the, Young couple and the girl used to um, fry bacon and she will always cut all the edges off. And the husband is looking and says, why do you cut off all the edges? She says, my mother did it. My mother said, my grandmother also did it. So it's become a family tradition. But he says, you're wasting so much of the bacon. So my grandmother was still alive. She said, why don't you call up your grandmother and ask why did she did it? She called up her grandmother and asked, my, my pan was very small. A lot of people do stuff like that. Okay, Lord, if it is you, bid me come. So Peter walked on earth. Do you know in human history how many people tried to walk and died? You know why? Because God did not bid them come. (laughs) Trying to imitate Peter. We have to be very, very careful about this. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Okay? And we have to be careful. So all those things are very clearly written over. This is what you have to do. Seven priests with with chauffeurs in front of the ark. And then on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. Okay. Now you have to be very, very careful. When God says something, you have to listen very. Even if you make adjustments, don't change the overall plan. Because Joshua will make adjustments there. But he doesn't change the overall plan. That okay, I think it is better. Let us finish this. Let us on the first day of March seven times. Finish it. Because they are all young and fresh. They are not tired. If I keep it for the seventh day, they will be all very tired. So let us march seven times. No, that's not what God said. Don't reverse the order. Don't reverse the order. And the priest shall blow the trumpets. And on the seventh day, it shall come on the seventh day, they shall make a long blast to the ram's horn. 
And when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout. Then the wall of the city will fall down flat and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Okay. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 30. And 3. 3, 0 and then 0, 3. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. Okay. The thing is, what if they had stopped at six days and they said God's word doesn't work? What if Naman had dipped six times and said nothing is happening, I'm going back? Is God wrong? So we need to realize this is where the issue comes because of never question the given. That is already doubt and unbelief. Just find out how. Lord, how? How? How do? And 11.3. How did the walls of Jericho come down? Answer, we don't understand. By faith we are. We only know it's the power of God that brought us down. How did he do it? I don't understand. Still today I don't. I mean, sure people have to try 600,000 or million people shouting the airwaves. Come on, leave all that aside. We don't know. If you know the walls of Jericho, the archaeology, it is so wide and so massive. No shouting is going to bring it down. If it is the shouting of the people that brought the walls down, then it was the singing of Paul that opened the gates. How do you explain that? <laughs> because when I sing, people usually shut their windows. He's <laughs> not opening anything. <laughs> right? So, we are taking God out of the picture. <laughs> we are taking God out of the picture. This is the whole issue. Okay, The Bible says when they were praying and singing, there was an earthquake. There was an earthquake. Okay. Like right now in the morning, bad news is 7.8 Richter scale in Turkey. Okay. Massive in one of the, okay. There's an earthquake. Okay. So the earth shook, but it was very localized, probably just around the jail of Philippi, but it was severe for the doors and windows all to spring up. And these are prison doors. So the whatever latches, bolts, everything, it just didn't open. So God can use his power locally in a prison or in a larger city or split the Red Sea. But don't take God out of the picture. Take God out of the picture. It's by faith. And if you're trying to under, if you're trying to understand how God does things, then, and then only you're going to believe, nothing's going to happen in your life. That's why the Bible says, by faith we understand. Okay. But don't confuse, because by faith, you see, the problem is the language is the same. Under sight or under faith, the language we use is the same. So by faith we understand, don't make it faith is understanding. No. By faith we understand does not mean we understand. Understand. Okay. If God does not explain to us, we are not going to understand. Okay. Like, um, like I said, I don't understand uh, the microwave. Okay, so Hepziva was trying to explain to me how the micro. I said, after you said it all about this ray, I still don't understand. <laughs> I still don't understand. 
I still don't understand how it works. Okay. Now you say electrons and neutrons and protons and atom and all. Okay. You see how easy it is to by faith receive signs. Who has seen an atom? <laughs> but we believe it with all our heart and we are good professors of the atom too. But when God says something, God says something, okay, that is why the Bible says it is impossible to please God without faith. That anyone who comes to God must believe that he is and there is this power of God. If if God is only holy and God is righteous, it's an awesome God. God is holy, God is righteous, all that is connected with his person. But when he does things, it's a, it's when the Bible begins, it does not talk about holiness. It does not talk about righteousness. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It talks about his power. He created the heavens and the earth by just the word of his mouth. And when he says, let there be light, and it's still exploding, it's still expanding, it's still moving. When did he say, it's still happening, the universe is still expanding. We should be shocked and in awe of his power. And then when God says, it is given, you don't ask the question, is it given? You need to ask the question, if it is given, how do I receive? You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. How do I receive? It is given. By his stripes you were healed. How do I receive? You look at the things that is given in Christ Jesus. It's a mind-boggling thing what God has given to us in Christ Jesus. The question is, it is given. And therefore, it, there cannot be a status quo. Therefore, to receive it, there is a battle. It is given, but it has to be taken. It is given, it has to be taken. Jericho is given, it has to be. And if you obey my rules, you will take it. And no man will be able. So we are not talking about man here. We are talking about powers of darkness. Of course, there will be times of intense resistance. There will be intense because the greater the cost, the greater the resistance. So Moses is going into Egypt to deliver a whole nation. So there is intense resistance. Even after victory, they are still following. So it always depends upon the cause. The cause. Okay. So if the cause is small, the resistance is... Devil is also smart. He doesn't waste energy. He's also... Because his resources are also limited. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. So he has to send his troops here, there, there. He has to do that. So he looks at the cause and says, Okay, don't waste your time. It's not a big cause. But if the cause is big... It's an intense battle. It's an intense battle. Okay, so we have to understand. But it is a battle. And victory is promised. It is promised. That is the thing. Because when it comes to the powers of darkness, God says, I give you power over all the power of the enemy. You cannot run away from this. There is a battle. You run away from this battle. The whole thing is that there cannot be even a status quo. Because the nature of the enemy is that he will come to steal and is not satisfied with stealing. He will go to level two that is killing. He's not even satisfied with killing you. He wants to destroy that your generations never rise up again. Never rise up again. So there is no peace in this matter. In this matter. So we have to understand this is how we do. Only thing, he adds one thing which he tells the people. 
Keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. For six days, until I tell you, don't open your mouth. We don't want grumbling. We don't want doubt. We don't want unbelief. Like, you know, you may doubt in your mind. You may have unbelief in your mind. As long as you keep your mouth shut, it's still not given life. Okay. Like he says, doubt your doubts and believe your beliefs. <laughs> in your mind, doubt your doubts. With your heart, believe your beliefs. But don't, when you open your mouth, that's what happened with Job, right? When he opened his mouth, he did not sin with his lips. And then, he opened his mouth. Okay, okay I want to look at that one, this thing. It's a, and then we will pray. Okay, get, uh, Sammy, get uh, Peter ready, okay? Even though he's in Nigeria, we shall get him ready. Hmm? Yeah. Uh, ten. Yeah, 2.10. Ten. Okay? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Till then he was okay. Then verse 11 is interesting. Okay? 11 onwards is interesting. That's what changed him. His three friends heard of all this adversity that had come upon him. Each one came from his own place. Together they had made an appointment together to come and mourn with him and to comfort him. And when they raised their eyes from afar, they did not recognize him. They lifted their voice and wept, and each one tore his robe and sprinkled dust on his head towards heaven. So they sat down with him on the ground seven days and seven nights, and no one spoke a word to him, for they saw that his grief was very great. It was their reaction that caused him to open his mouth and curse himself. These friends did not come and have one word of encouragement. They brought all their un doubt, unbelief, religious training, everything they brought over there, and they messed him up. Remember how Jesus, no, how Jesus did when he had a very interesting case like Jairus' daughter and all, all the morning wailing fellows out, and only three disciples. Right. So even he knew among his disciples those who were stronger in faith. Because when you are in a situation, in a battle, what you don't want is numbers. What you want is unity. What you want is faith. Because if the world works in numbers, you don't want numbers. What are you going to do with numbers? You want faith. Want faith. And these three guys come over there. <laughs> Remember, sometimes Unbelief can be passed across without opening your mouth. They did not say a word for seven days. Seven days they did not speak a word. They cried, they wailed, they looked up to heaven, everything, and finally he lost it. He opened his mouth and cursed himself. Then it took God 40 chapters to silence him. <laughs> and silence all the others. <laughs> Okay, so now we shall have. So get the fundamental principle, okay? God spoke. No, God spoke to Joshua. That's where the Lord stands. And God speaks and everything that he speaks is truth. And it is life. And it is victory. He doesn't speak any defeat over it. It's all victory. The question is, it demands a response from the hearer. It demands a response from the hearer. And what will the hearer do? Yes. 
Jesus is the Lord we serve. Angels bound before him, heaven and earth adore him. Jesus is the Lord we serve. Jesus is the Lord we serve. Jesus is the Lord we serve. Angels bow before him, heaven and earth adore him. Hallelujah. This morning we have heard again about faith. Whatever we do in this battle, we have to add faith. It's the prayer of faith that heals the sick. Israel wandered in the wilderness, not because they did not hear, but they did not mix faith with what they heard. They didn't believe. Faith everything faith in God and then faith in yourself that God has said therefore I can do it you need both we are not denying reality Paul talks about his reality I'm in prison I'm in chains but I can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens me he's on probably meager rations in a prison but he says my God shall supply there is a reality we are not denying it but when we speak, we speak what God has said. Because that is the truth. And only the truth can set us free. Yes, you may have a reality of your sickness. If the reality isn't there, then you will not look for healing. You will not seek healing. The reality is there. But what is the truth by which we receive our healing? The truth is what God has done in Christ 2,000 years ago. By His stripes, we were healed. If we were not healed 2,000 years ago, then everything Christ did for us 2,000 years ago ceases. Then I was not forgiven in Christ 2,000 years ago. I was, I did, I was not crucified with Christ 2,000 years ago. I was not raised up with Christ 2,000 years ago. We need to realize when we deny one fact, in principle, we are denying everything else. Because they are all related. It is the complete work of salvation. This morning God is asking us, do you believe? Do you believe? Do you believe in the power of God? Yes, I can speak to the mountain and the mountain shall be moved. But for the mountain to be moved, do you believe God is a God who moves mountains? Because it is not by my speech. It is not by my power. It is not by my strength. But God says, it is by my spirit. The mountain shall be moved. But for the spirit to move the mountain, there is that essential ingredient. Do I believe? For anyone who comes to God must believe that he is. Do you believe? This morning, do you believe you have favor with God? Just by the virtue of being a child of God. Do you believe if you have favor with God, then God can cause you to have favor with men? Do you believe? Joseph did not have favor because of anything else, but because it was God who caused him to have favor. It is God who caused Daniel to have favor. It is God who caused Esther to have favor. And all this is written for us. Do you believe 
that is a god who can cause you to have favor in the eyes of people who matter in your workplace of people who naturally need not show you any favor there was no reason potiphar should show favor to a hebrew slave There was no reason the prison warden should so show favor to to Joseph who's been accused of rape. It is God who caused it. Do you believe in a God who causes favor? Yes, yes, I do. Hallelujah. Do you believe? I believe. Because when we hear about what God has done, he's still the same. Yes, yes. Do you believe? You can have favor. Believe. Bring faith in If you do not bring faith in, nothing will work. God is God. He is God of all power. But that power won't work in our lives because we did not believe. The sixth day of this fifth month, second month, we will raise up our faith even more in God and say, Lord, I believe. I believe. I believe for healing, divine healing. I believe for divine strength. I believe for divine supply. Yes, yes, I believe. I believe for the seas to break. Yes, I believe. I believe. Let the redeem. If you believe, the Bible says, "Let the redeem of the Lord say so." Yes, Lord, I believe. Let the weak say, "I am strong." Yes, I believe. I believe. Weakness is the fact, but faith says, "In Christ, I am strong." Let the poor say, "I am rich."